Hello everyone, I'm Troy Dodds and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by The Western Weekender. On this podcast I'm joined by special guests who all have such great stories to tell about Penrith and the role they've played in our city. They are Penrith stories told by Penrith people. Today my special guest is Jim Mason. Jim has an incredible history in Penrith from being born on High Street to working at Penrith City Council for more than four decades. Very few people know more about Penrith than Jim and I really hope you enjoy our chat. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Troy. Now, first question we always ask, uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? <laughs> yes, like you said, I was born in High Street, Penrith, uh, at the private hospital, which is uh, opposite the fire station. It naturally doesn't exist today. And I, that was in uh, the 27th of August, 1942. So I've just turned 80. Happy, happy birthday, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I grew up, at a little, area, a little rural district called Orchard Hills. Now, Orchard Hills, when I grew up and was growing up, is a lot different it, it, as it was today, as it is today. Mm. Orchard Hills then was a an area of primarily growing uh, table grapes and orchards and some fruit and, and vegetables. But today, naturally, it's been subdivided and uh, a, a lot different to when I grew up. But that's where I grew up, and I was at Orchard Hills for the first 30 years of my life. On uh, Frogmore Road, is on, that right? On yeah. the corner of Frogmore Road and Kingswood Road. And, and what were your parents doing? What, were they, what, what brought them to Orchard Hills? Well, my grandfather, in 1919, purchased 20 acres at Orchard Hills. He purchased a farming property off the teacher in charge of Orchard Hills Public School, Mr Frederick Watson. It was 20 acres on the corner of Kingswood Road and Wentworth Road, Orchard Hills, and it was a farm there of grapes, uh, as table grapes, and that's where the family came in 1919, and my father and two of his siblings went to school at Orchard Hills and attended Orchard Hills Public School, and so did Seven of he had seven children, and we all went to Orchard Hills Public School. We kept the school afloat because the numbers in those days uh, were got down to as, as little as ten, I think. So, but in 1936, my grandfather gave my father ten acres on the corner of Frogmore Road and and Kingswood Road, and that's where he built his house. He built a house there in 1936 which I don't think will ever fall down because it's made of <laughs> reinforced concrete. Yeah. Right. So it still stands today? It's still there today. They've made a little few alterations. But when the freeway went through in the 70s, the, M- the M4, they cut our property in half. We had the 10 acres and they cut it in half. So uh, naturally uh, that made a lot of difference, not only to us but to the, but to the whole district. But on the 10 acres... We ran, always ran a few cows. We grew vegetables and fruit trees and and uh, chooks, etc. So we had a bit of a not a farm, but we had a rotary hoe there and uh, did did um, you know looked after ourselves pretty well with with the uh, the eggs and the uh, milk and butter, etc. So uh, that's where we grew up. But it was quite a an ideal. Uh, growing up period mm. because uh, uh, 
uh, it was close and handy to Penrith, although you, you know you didn't go to Penrith that often because you know you still had to uh, you didn't have the bus service like we do today and things like that. So you essentially grow up in 1950s Penrith. What was Penrith like then, um, 70 odd years ago? <laughs> yes, well Penrith, you'd really say, only consisted of High Street, mm. really, and uh, and and Station Street. Um, that were the main areas of Penrith, down to the river, down to the weir. The weir, uh, you didn't swim at the weir because mm. it was notorious of having broken glass there, so you didn't dare swim around the weir in those days, unless you were a good swimmer and didn't have to yeah. touch the bottom, of course. But that was basic. Penrith was basically still a, a, a rural area. You had those great, large areas of rural area at Ca- at Castle Ray, and also the big orange orchards at Emu Plains, and you still had farming along uh, Nepean Avenue, the um, the market gardeners there, and you had the um, you had out at Regionville as well, and where Woodruff Gardens were. In the 50s, there was still the Chinese market gardens there mm-hmm. where, where the tennis courts are today. Yes. And what about uh, you in high school? Uh, we'll talk about where your career goes in, in just a moment, <laughs> but um, was there something in particular that you wanted to follow or were you a bit of a, a good student? Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of student were you? <laughs> I would say I didn't like study. So I'd say I was an average student. I always uh, thought I was going to be a school teacher. Um, I went to, naturally, I went to Penrith High School, like mm-hmm. the rest of my brothers and sisters, and I studied, uh, uh, I was the middle one of the family. Okay. So I studied, How many brothers and sisters? I had uh, two brothers and, fo- and four sisters. Wow, okay. So there were seven of us all together. Yeah. So um, we all went, like I say, we all went to Penrith High School, caught the bus into the high school. And I, I was there from 55 to 59. I completed my leaving certificate in 59, and I got five Bs, right? And I got a teacher's college scholarship to Armadale Teacher's College, right? But in the meantime, I'd applied for several jobs. Mm. I'd applied for a job at the Commonwealth Bank and the council. I got a job at the bank. I got a job at the council. And uh, I weighed up things up. And I decided to accept the job on the council. And so begins a, uh, a very, very <laughs> long stint at, uh, at council. I think 45 years. 45, just 45 over years. 45 years. So you never make it to Armadale. No. Uh, no. <laughs> what do you do? What do you first do in council? This is 1960, am I right? I think yes, you start in January I started on the 4th of January, 1960. Yes. All right, and what's the first job at Penrith City Council? <laughs> and where was council located at that and point? Council was located on the corner of Henry Street and and um, uh, Evans Street yep. uh, where that, they built the library. Okay, That yep. was the old council chambers. It was the real old council chambers there that was built in the 1880s, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, that's where the officers were. They were attached to it. I think some of them might have even consisted of old army huts. Yep. But there's very few of us still alive that worked it in that uh, in that building, right? So my first job, I worked in the rates department, right, under a fellow called Bob Wilkinson, and we 
my job was to collect the mail every morning, mm-hmm. collect the mail from the post office and take it to the office. I also was involved in collecting the rates, actually receiving the money when people came in to pay it. And at that time, uh, I they also had a branch office still at St Mary's because um, you'd be familiar that in '48 they amalgamated with St Mary's, yep. and St Mary's and Penrith, and I think it was in the Pearnshire, and I think it was Castle Ray Council amalgamated, and they became Pen, and they were they were Penrith Municipal Council originally, but then they became Penrith City Council, mm-hmm. and St Mary's had a branch office where we collected the rates. I think it was once a fortnight at St Mary's. So my job was to go down there and spend the day at St Mary's and collect the rates at St Mary's. Very different to how um, we're paying our rates today <laughs> yeah. and whatnot, having to pop in on a, on a certain day. Well, it was, a, it was an ancient cash register we yeah. used, which uh, you wouldn't never have seen you know, the type. But it's a lot different than it is today, naturally. But that was my first job, uh, working in the rates department. And it's only a year into your time at um, at Penrith Council that there's a bit of a there's, there's quite a tragedy in 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 Penrith in that um, the mayor at the yes. time passed away in 1961. So That's, that was obviously the biggest story around town. But um, certainly working at council would have been a, a big hit as well. It was because not that yet not in my, those days that I had very much to do with the councillors mm. or the aldermen of the council, but I did know some of them, of course. Um, through uh, the junior farmers and things like that I was involved in, uh, especially Albie Flint and people like that, and Leo Blattman from Mulgawa and those type of people. And, of course, uh, you know, you knew, knew Bill Chapman, of course, um, and and Sam Dwyer. Those names were very prominent in the district. And when Leo Spies died suddenly, well, the... Uh, the staff were given, after we attended the funeral at the Catholic Church in High Street, Penrith, uh, we formed a guard of honour out the front, all the staff, and then we were given the rest of the day off. So it was certainly a big occasion, you know, a very sad occasion mm. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a very changing cha- uh, uh, um, incident for the whole of the council yeah. because... They lost a mayor who'd been in office for a few years as mayor and then they had a mayor election and that was when uh, Bill Chapman was elected as mayor and remained in that position for some years as well as being the local MLA. And where does your career go from here? Because I know that you, you eventually become council's first personnel officer. Is that the modern day HR That's uh, right. situation? So you're, yeah. so you're in charge of personnel there, first time? Uh, what, yeah. what, no, what was that like? No, yeah, all right. But before I got to there, I worked, I was then transferred to the uh, financial section under the under the care and control of Max Baker. Okay. You would have heard of Max Baker. Yes, indeed. Max Baker was a long-term employee of the council, mm. growing up in the district, played football for Penrith, of course, in the in his younger day, and um, he was my he was then my supervisor, and I worked in in the finance section. I did payroll, uh, uh, among other things, and uh, in that position, I acted as uh, 
assistant to him and looked at that and I was payroll supervisor as well. And then council decided they needed a, someone to look after the personnel. So I was I then appointed the person, the first personnel officer of the council. And uh, my role then was to get involved in all the employment of any of the council staff that were, were employed, except the top echelon, naturally. I didn't get involved with them. And I'm guessing at this time, council staff is growing just like oh, Penrith yes. is, is growing as well. Yes, I mean, council it, goes on to become probably the, the biggest employer in town, but, yes. but then I'm guessing it was a, a modest staff that's growing. Yes, growing all the time. And at that stage, in the 19... I think it's the middle nine, late 1970s, Council became involved in childcare. Mm. Uh, the Whitlam government, uh, I believe the funds came from the Whitlam government, and they at the time uh, erected the largest childcare centre in the district, and for for many years the largest childcare centre in the in the whole of the area. Um, and of course, that, Council. Just fast forwarding today, still has probably oh, the more childcare yeah, centres than, anyone, centers than else. anyone. Absolutely, and that was the first of them. It mm. was called Urami, yep. situated at Warrington. Still around, I think. Yeah, yeah still yeah. there, Urami. Um, it, it had a big kitchen, and it was about three or four rooms. And and uh, I remember we they with Mac, when Max Baker uh, had to negotiate with the union and try and work out a. Uh, uh, hours and award for them because there was no such thing under mm. the award. Yes. So as part of uh, being personal officer, I got involved in, like I say, every person that was employed on the council. And I'd say 90% of those positions, I sat on the interviews. Yep. Whether it was for a labourer, a uh, health inspector, an engineer, a childcare worker or anyone like that, I sat on the interviews and got involved. And that's why I got to know all the staff of the council because I was there when they were interviewed and when they started, I was also involved in in, in giving them a uh, induction type of thing. Mm. So you yes. end up having a, a pretty big role with, with, with all the staff at, yes, at council. Yes, that's right. Just to reverse back a bit, um, to the early 70s, uh, 1971, of course, Penrith celebrates its centenary of, of local yes. government. And I know you were pretty involved in that, but that was a pretty big event uh, in, in Penrith at that time. A very big event. Yes, it was a very big event. Um, Don Hawkins was, uh, was um, Harold Court appointed Don Hawkins to oversee all that. And a fellow called Arthur Court, who was, I think... At that stage, the chief clerk, he was this, more or less the secretary of it. And I got involved in looking after the section down at the river mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, where they put on uh, various activities on the river. So I was involved there. But it, they had a very uh, enormous pageant and march. The, 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 go- the governor um, was, was there to um, to unveil a, st- a stone that's in f- a, a, a stone uh, uh, what we can like say a plaque, a, a plaque, a plaque and yeah. a, on the big sandstone yep. in front of the c- c- council chambers on the corner of Henry Street and Station Streets 
and they had a big big ceremony out at the out at the uh, showground, and they had a um, a um, a procession both through Penrith and St Mary's, uh, which ended up at the showground, and uh, so they had floats and everything. All the girls dressed up in uh, in period uh, you know a period costume. We all grew. Uh, Sideburners and moustaches. Yeah, and I've stuff. seen some of the uh, photos. Yeah. One thing that we know that Penrith Council and Penrith Library has done so well is is the archive of photos yes. that they that they have available, um, both online and, and at the library itself. And there's a lot of photos from that um, centenary. We, and we, uh, had, uh, we had waistcoats and everything. Yeah, big function yeah. at uh, the old Panthers League Club, yes, of course, I on Station to Street. The ball yeah. there. Yeah. The, uh, and I still, I think I gave the uh, library my ball, the ball tickets. I still had kept. Yep. Yes, it was an enormous night and a very big thing for the city to celebrate that uh, that centenary. Yes. Now, what's happening, uh, this is the 1970s, what, what's happening in your personal life at this stage? Because I think you you meet your wife at council, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah. She worked She worked as a bookkeeping machine operator. So did you interview uh, her? Uh, no, 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 oh, no, no, I wasn't personnel <laughs> officer. Okay, okay. This was before I became, this, this, long before I became personnel officer. Yep. No, no, no. No, and uh, I... Uh, Became engaged in 1972. Mm-hmm. I think it was Union Picnic Day, 1972. Yep. Right, that was in uh, in March. I think is it May? Yeah, March 1972. And then 12 months later, we got married. But in the meantime, I'd purchased a block of ground off my sister and her husband at Lapston. Mm-hmm. In uh, you know, you know Lapston, absolutely. Yeah, Governor's Drive, which was one of the, you know. It was Lapston was regarded as a, a bit of a, a posh suburb, I suppose, because it was built by Alf Hand mm. and it was built to standards that no one had seen before. Yep. With the curve guttering and the and the utilities underground, so it was a bit of a unique. Mm. But it was quite costly to live there because the rates were so high. Yeah. And my sister said that her husband was in the air force. And they were moving all around the district, so all, all around Australia, I should say, and overseas. So they didn't wish to keep the land, so she offered it to me and I purchased it. And I built a house there, and that's where we lived for the next 48 years. And, of course, still making the other uh, trip down to Penrith to, uh, to well, work every yeah, day. Yeah, it wasn't far. <laughs> I, Not far at all. I was always an early starter. Yeah. So I could uh, only took me 10 minutes to get to work. Yeah. Yes. So what's Penrith? Uh, you mentioned before, I should say too, that the chambers being on the corner of um, Henry and Station. Yeah. So of course that's the first big move. Yes. Uh, we, we know where council ends up, but uh, that would have been a big move to, to move there yes. as well. You would have been part of that. Yes, I was. I was there because we. I only served about six months up in uh, in uh, the other old council chambers. Mm. Six months, oh, a little more than six months, and we moved into the new council chambers. Right. But I think the new council chambers was too small before they started yeah. because they were going to have the library in one part and and then uh, etc. And uh, it didn't quite work out that way. And it, of course, still stands today, although yes. the subject of a of a development yeah. application so at the I, moment. So we might see that disappear. Yes. But, um, but yeah, a building that still served Penrith well with different community organisations right. and, and whatnot. Yeah, and they had the you know they had the council chambers up there. Yeah. And, and it was a, a focal point of the district. 
although it didn't have a uh, you couldn't have a uh, a major function there mm. you could still have uh, they had committee rooms there you could have a f- other functions as well and what is Penrith like at this point? So let's talk late seventies, early eighties. It's it's big, in a, big growth period. Very, in, in very big time. growth period, mm. because um, the residential areas were extending both south, uh, South Penrith was becoming online, and also it was going out towards um, Cranebrook mm. and also the St Clair. Uh, area Erskine Park was being developed. Yeah. So Penrith was growing all the time, enormously, and uh, the suburban spread very much oh, on at, at that point. And, and and of course you must remember at this stage, uh, a little earlier than that, that uh, Penrith um, Emir Plains became under the control mm. of Penrith Council. So it was. There was changes at and, and urban development, more development at Emia Plains as well. So it was really spread out all over. Yes, and of course, probably the biggest change at the CBD happens in the in the seventies as well with the development of, of Penrith Plaza. Yes. So tell us about that and how much because you mentioned about High Street earlier, and High Street was you know the focal point of the town. Even today, we know that, that that High Street really struggled to deal with the with that shopping centre being built across from the the old council chambers. Um, that that must have, I guess, provided a bit of a cultural shift in terms of how people shopped and how they they reacted well, around the city. Um, and, and at this time too, remember we they they built the mall in Penrith. Yes, yes, the, so ill, that, the that, ill-fated mall. <laughs> that's right. Well, it was a it was a very big um, uh, enterprise by the council. Mm. But to build a mall, to, to block off High Street. Uh, I remember Bill Kamick once telling me, the late Bill Kamick, uh, Dr Kamick told me, once when he, when he left his, uh, his practice in, in High Street, Penrith, I think he said he had to make one left turn to get to his house. Yeah. After the mall was built, I think he said he made about half a dozen or more <laughs> turns. You know, that's what how much the mall affected some mm. of the traffic in the town. And many would say never really recovered, um, even though we're, we're decades on now from from uh, yes, the, with, the mall well, being ripped up. But well, with the building of the plaza, yeah, you saw the um, the establishment of the major stores down at the plaza, mm. and of course you saw the decline of. The like Fletcher's yep. moved down to the plaza. Big, uh, big uh, stores like Fletcher's and Neil's were up. Neil's, yeah, up and all the supermarkets were on High Street as well. Right. So yeah, so they've lost all those, and so f- so therefore the High Street unfortunately did decline and die a little bit. And uh, with the with the the plaza, the plaza certainly made a difference to to Penrith. It, it drew more people into Penrith. Mm. But, however, it did affect, certainly affected the businesses in High Street. Now, Council, of course, in the 90s moves to its current home, the, the Civic Centre. Now, this would have been, t- tell me about the process of when, I guess, as a, as a long-term staff member, you first heard about that move and the process that, that happened because it was a, it was a mammoth project. Um, talking about those photos, there's great photos online of seeing it get built and, and then eventually open. But it's, a, it's probably Penrith's biggest um, certainly government projects at, um, well, at a council level that's well, been built. Well, it was required because council was working out of three or four different offices. Well, 
Well, they worked out of the council chambers. They, in the, in, over the years, they acquired Cole Buck and Store. Yep. And moved the council offices up there, right? But they also had offices in um, Borick House. Yep. And they had offices on the corner of the lane, Gaymark Lane. Yes, they, yep, yep. They had offices upstairs there. So I worked, when I first became personal officer, I worked out of, out of um, Cole Buckin's store. But before that, we had been the finance, uh, the pay office, Max Bake and his office, and the, and the health and building section were occupying offices in Borick House. So the council was split all over the place. But then... Then they, then they came. That when they re-sorted out uh, Cole Buckins' building, they uh, they brought them all together. Except some were still in um, in Gaymark Lane. So the, the council's offices were spread over several mm. buildings, and the the building of the new complex, um, uh, the new civic centre, brought everyone together under the one roof. It was. Uh, it was it was difficult to try and visualise what it was going to be like. You can see a plan, you know mm. yourself. If you wanted, if you were building a new house, yep. you say that's the plan for it. But you don't really know what what it's going to be for like sure, until yeah. it's actually up and how it's going to function. Mm. How you're going to everyone's going to fit in and work together. So the uh, it was a very big upheaval for everyone to move from the offices down to a new new civic centre uh, where we had more open offices as well. We were, some of us were used to having our own little office. Yep, the, world of, the world of open plan arrived. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to an open plan where, where you're all together. Makes a lot of difference. And at this time you must realise too that computers were playing a a mm. greater role in everyone's lives, you know. Uh, everyone had a, a at their desk. Well, it's hard to imagine your first desk at Penrith City Council. Certainly, no uh, no computer anywhere around. No, uh, probably not even a calculator on no, there. No. You're doing it all yourself. Well, we had a manual calculator. Yep. You didn't have an electric <laughs> calculator. Uh, pulled the handle with it. <laughs> but I wasn't. Uh, I must come to must say that I'm not a. Uh, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in regarding to computers and and, and that. Although I was trained in their use, mm. I uh, wasn't really. Uh, I had one at my desk, and I could uh, look at all my emails and yeah. answer those, etc. But uh, I was a bit old-fashioned, a bit stubborn, I suppose. I didn't uh, believe. I, I know I'm a bit negative. I didn't believe in typing my own letters and sending them. Yeah. I uh, always had a couple of uh, ladies that would assist me and type all my correspondence for me. Very different I, era, eh? Yes. I wouldn't exist today, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it might have been, I was a bit stubborn, I suppose. Now, towards the end of your career, of course, uh, the Olympics happen in Penrith. Council has very strong involvement in the Olympics. What are your memories of uh, that time in Penrith in, in yes. 2000? Well, I, by, but that, by that time, I was occupying a different position. Yep. I looked after Council's insurance. 
and, and then I was looking after Council's Occupation, Health and Safety. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the Olympics came around in 2000, I was working in that section, and I volunteered as uh, to uh, as uh, I volunteered to assist in the Olympics in the field of of uh, occupational health and safety. Yeah, and I was a volunteer down at Blacktown with the softball and baseball etc. Mm-hmm. Down there, so I, I worked out of Blacktown. Uh, a lot of the other council staff worked at the rowing centre. Some you know they worked all over. But yep. there was about twenty of us I think worked as volunteers the Olympics but certainly the Olympics made uh, certainly made a big change to Penrith it put Penrith on the map mm. re- in regard to uh, uh, the uh, the rowing uh, not, the ro- not so the much the rowing yep. the regatta centre and, and uh, the white water stadium there at Penrith where where we've got our champions there now the Fox sisters yes and uh, which is a great credit to the city but that's so certainly the Olympics made a great difference to the. It really uh, opened up and and showed people once again what Penrith had to offer. Yes. Now I want to talk about some of the other things you've you've done in Penrith. But before we do, we'll, we'll wrap up the career. The, the decision to leave council forty five years was it as simple as well? Time to retire, or, uh, well, or what? I, what was the thought process I, around finally giving it up? I could see that I was I wasn't. Too, I, I, did, I hadn't come to grips with modern technology mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was a good time for me then to say I'd been there for 45 odd years. Yeah, it's a long and, stint. And I thought it was time I gave it away and, and, and retired. Remember your last day? Yes, I do. My, uh, unbeknownst to me, the family came and decorated my desk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had... Uh, the council certainly did look after me. Yeah, they gave me a a, a dinner uh, attended by my friends and uh, the councillors, ex-councillors, mm-hmm. and the current councillors, businessmen of the town, etc. So they certainly looked after me, and the staff gave me uh, numerous farewells because I went out to each of the childcare centres and mm. went to uh, all the other areas of council. So I've got at home oodles of photos and and uh, people and nice or oh, um, resume not resumes but little brief notes written by all staff members who wanted to that sent me a little message wishing me a bit on um, wish, wishing me a happy and long retirement which I was very grateful and I still have. And certainly, when you work somewhere forty five years, you, you you not only accumulate a lot of uh, friends and colleagues along the way, but you, you have an impact, obviously, on, a, well, on an organisation like that. Especially yeah. when I got involved with employing so many. Yeah, people. yeah. You got to know them personally, and of course, not only that, Penrith City Council, you might realise, they had a in house credit union at one time. Yes, yep. Right, and that was that was formed many years ago. Uh, and uh, I was, uh, I suppose I was a foundation director of that. And when Don Hawkins retired as chairman of the, the credit union, I became chairman of the credit union. And I was chairman of the credit union when we found that we couldn't, we're only a small organisation. We, we did employ, I think it was a part-time office person to write the checks and do that, all, all that 
and keep our financial um, statements up to date. Mm. But um, we'll say that uh, requirements by the government make it so much harder for little organisations to exist. Yeah, sure. So we amalgamated with the police credit union it was then, which is now the police bank. Yeah. So that's what happened. And with the credit union, we were able to help a lot of staff members mm. in providing them with some funds they wouldn't have been able to access easily. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And I think it was a good service that the credit union provided. Indeed. Now, you do a lot of other things in Penrith, and one of the, the key things, and I think it's how I first came across you, is your involvement in uh, Penrith Paceway, Penrith Showground, harness racing in the city. How did that first come about? Well, where does your involvement come in there? Well, I was a junior farmer. Uh, the family were in junior farmers. Yep. My father was the first president of the advisory committee of the Orchard Hills. It was Orchard Hills Kingswood Junior Farmers Club when it was formed in 1945. Yep. You, you, joined, you, you weren't eligible to join the junior farmers until you were 10 years old. So it was from 10 to 21 and I became a junior farmer. And I followed in the footsteps of my older brother and sisters and we all exhibited it in Penrith Show. Yep. And in Penrith Show in 1972 and 78, mm-hmm. I won a couple of cups donated by uh, A. Flint, Alderman Flint. He was a former councillor as well and president of the show society. And uh, so I became involved uh, in in that side of things. And uh, when trotting started in 1964, at the first registered trotting meeting, I was there. Um, I wasn't a member then. Then I joined the show society and then I uh, took a back seat and became a, uh, a committee member of the show society. And then over the years, uh, well, I, in the middle of the show society, I left the show society for a few years, and I had five years with the Panthers. Yep, okay. <laughs> from 69 to 74. Yep. And because I had that break, I then had to serve so many years before I was eligible to stand as a board of control member of the Paceway. So what were you doing at the uh, the Panthers side of things? Uh, I started off as just an ordinary committee member yep. uh, of, 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 the, uh, of the, uh, the Panthers uh, committee. It was a football committee. Yep. They just ran the football. Nothing to do with the licence club. Yep. We depended on so the licence. So essentially the, uh, the football board is, board. I mean, now it's a combined board. Yes, but, but combined board day, yeah. now. The football committee had to get their grant from the Panthers, Yep. right? I was there for five years in the very child, very uplifting and upheaval times of the Panthers. Yeah, only a few years I after they entered the, the I, main competition. I was there when they sacked Merv Cartwright. Yep. I was there when they sacked Bob Boland. I was there when Penrith were beaten 70 to 7 by Manly. Some very early dramas in the history of um, of what is now a very successful club. You can't imagine Merv Cartwright these days getting sacked like, you know, like there was a founding father of the club. Well, in those days, they started off from scratch. Mm. My first, would you believe my first job when I got on the committee of of the football committee was cutting the grass that was overhead on the banks of Penrith 
of Penrith Park. We'll have to tell the current board that they yeah. can get out there and uh, cut and the grass. And we weren't entitled to get a blazer until you'd been <laughs> on the board for so many years. But I started off as I was third grade secretary, assistant secretary. I was treasurer at one time. Uh, so I was greatly involved there under then Roger Cowan. Yes. I was under Roger and, and worked very successfully with Roger for those years. But football in those years was was full full on, right? We did the judiciary on Monday nights yep. for the junior league. Went to training two nights a week. Board meetings other nights. Then you went to the games. Mm. Lot long before the, I guess, professional era. Of, oh, of a long, league with, long time before with, the professional um, era. With everyone, with a, with a, with a professional lawnmower. Yeah, that's these right. Days. And, and you, you head back to the show society after that, obviously. Yes, I did. Yes. Right. But what, hap- what the m- reason I left the football was mm. I got married. Yep. Right. And I couldn't keep going to football five days a week <laughs> and be married. Right. So, no, I went back and I stood for the board of the... Uh, of the paceway as a director. Yep. Um, oh, as a board of control then, because it wasn't a, 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 it wasn't incorporated. Uh, I was unsuccessful. The first year I stood, the second year I got on, and I, be, I beat an old friend of mine called Bill Ward. He was Percy Hall's brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. He'd been on the board for many years. I defeated him. He came back on later, and then uh, I became. Um, Neville Crouch stood down as treasurer, and I think in about 1982 I became treasurer, and I remained treasurer for the next um, nearly 30 years. So I had over 30 years on the board and nearly 30 years as treasurer. And during that time, the, the golden era of harness racing in Penrith, I guess, well, when the, the paceway would be packed on a oh, on a Thursday well, night well, there. And well, trotting was certainly... A lot different days, yeah. Because you know the tab wasn't as great as it was, yeah. And 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 uh, and if you wanted to have a bet, you had to come to the t- track. And they were and uh, the same as as racing, racing right through. You didn't have it on TV, mm. and you couldn't bet on. You know, you didn't have those facilities. So if you wanted to have a bet, you had to go on course, yeah. And at one time, Penrith had something like over 20 bookmakers there. Yeah. And we had four bookmakers on the away dog ring. Yeah. And we had some of the biggest bookmakers in New South Wales worked there. Mm. Waterhouse and Bland and McHugh, they all worked at Penrith. So it was a very big concern. But today, you know, you don't have any bookmakers on course, even at Menangle. Yeah. You only have a bookmaker there when it's a major night. You go to Hawkesbury today to the races and you've only got three or four on the rails at Hawkesbury and they tell you there, it's it's uh, just there to stand up. There's no money over yeah, there anymore. Yeah. You know, so uh, not only harness racing but all racing has taken a hit in the way of people not attending. But Penrith still get their royal, their loyal gathering of people that come every week um, and, the, you know, it's tonight there's eight races there. I'll walk over to the trots tonight and stay for a few races and stay for the raffle yeah. and then walk home again. So it's still... It, Penrith track is a great spectacle, see, because you're so close to the racing. Mm. 
You've been to Menangle? Yes, I have. It's yes. a long way yeah. away looking yeah. over the back there, isn't yeah. it? You need to look, watch the screen to see the horse. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but when that, nothing wrong with Menangle. A wonderful track. The times they run there, uh, it is. It's, it's, it's outstanding. But it, it, it's not – you don't get close up in hand and close to the horses like you do at Penrith. Mm. Yes. We know that there are some doubts over the future of, of um, the paceway in Penrith, the showground, uh, yes. and, and therefore harness racing in Penrith. As someone who was involved with the club for so long and has been involved in Penrith for so long and has always known the showground <laughs> on that site, what are your thoughts on where things are, are currently at? Well, so, so, would it be it was marvellous? Someone saw me in the lift yesterday at the Royce and told me, oh, you're right, you, you, you're not going to move. And I said, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And I don't think, no, you might know, but I don't think anyone knows no. what's happening at the moment. You know, because of, uh, of, of Stuart being stood down, et cetera, or he stood down, et cetera, yep. and other things that are going on with the state government with their finances, et cetera. Um, you know, the show ground, the show's been this. The first show was held in 1893. Mm. Um, you know, and 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 it's been used not only for they they always had trots there at shows and other times, but it's also been used for so many other things. Yeah, like cricket was played there in the old days. Penrith played their football there. They were still playing football there in 1952. I've got a uh, a, um, a report from the PN Times. I read this yesterday. Yeah, about. Uh, Penrith playing football there and still in 52 before they went over to Penrith Park yep. where it is today. They played Vigoro there. They you know, used it for many things and uh, it'd be a shame to see the uh, the showground go. I I don't know. It's a, it's a complex question of saying whether I agree they should go somewhere else or not. I don't want to get involved in that uh, because... Well, whatever happens... Progress may get it oh, in the end, but does. it doesn't mean that it's uh, not no. a sad occasion if, no, it, um, if right. it does go. It'd, it's be, a... it'd be a shame to see it go. Mm. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pivotal part of Penrith for so many yes. years, and it's an air, still an area of green space, regardless of who owns it. I, don't, I wouldn't like to see any high-rise put mm. up on it. Yeah, yeah I, think I, that's think, a... I think there's enough high-rise around Penrith <laughs> without... Putting high rise on the on the showground, although yeah. you know to, to exist like Panthers have approved, you know you have yeah, to yeah, you have to you know you just can't live on uh, on income from a show and income from other things that you can run on the mm. showground. You have to try and source other areas of gaining income. What are you doing these days? What keeps uh, Jim Mason busy oh. in uh, in twenty twenty two? Well, I'm still the honorary auditor of about 18 little organisations. Okay. I'm not a... So different little charities and things like that around town? No, no. Well, they range from, I suppose, the biggest organisation I audit is the Blue Mountains Netball Association. Yep, okay. Big big association there. Yes, and I I also audit three little netball clubs that are associated. Yep. Um, I do the... Chamber of Commerce okay. at Glenbrook. I do the Probus Club at Blackstone Glenbrook. For 61 years, I've been the auditor of the Penrith Cricket Association. Wow, okay. 
I got the role when there was an upheaval in the district when Darcy Smith was overthrown and they, Jock Clarence became president. There was a bit of a, an, uh, um, a few walked out of the organisation. The auditor at the time didn't stand again and I was nominated for the position, a position I still hold. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty busy, and uh, no. still, you, this must keep you uh, pretty occupied. Well, those, those you know, I've got, I've got the historical societies at Penrith yep. St Mary's, the CWAs at Glenbrook and Penrith, and uh, and a lot of little organisations like um, you know the netball clubs mm. and PNCs and uh, Weight Watchers, and I've even got Shane Park Bushfire Brigade. You know, these are the things you've inherited over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it keeps it keeps my mind active. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't charge anyone a fee. They very most of them always want to give you a little gift or something or other for yeah. doing your services, which is appreciated. So that keeps me active. I'm also doing and continually doing. I think I'll be doing it to the rest of the day of my life. I'm still doing the history of the showground. Yep. I've done a lot of it, and I'm still doing the history of Orchard Hills. And still a lot to play out in, uh, uh, in those two I, things. I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to do a summary of all the old families of Orchard sure, Hills. Sure, okay, yep. Right. Orchard Hills, although a small area, had was, was predominantly in the early days settled by people with belonged to the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And the Methodist Church was built there in 1904. And before that, they operated their church out of someone's house, Calvert's Place in Homestead Road. Yep. And, uh, and uh, then the school was built in 1910. So I'm still involved with the PNC at Orchard Hills. Still got a little role at the church at Orchard yep. Hills. And so... Orchard Hills had a, had a PNC and still the PNC. They had a Fruit Growers Association or Progress Association, which doesn't still exist. And then they had a, in the First World War they had a Red Cross Society. They had a War Workers Club in the Second World War. They had a tennis club. They had a cricket club, and they had the Orchard Hills Hospital Auxiliary. So I've tried to summarise all those. Indeed. Only through, because as you'd realise, finding minute books of those organisations yeah, is very, very rare. Yeah. I've, we've still got the minute books of the PNC and the fruit growers, but I haven't found any minute books of the other organisations, unfortunately. So I've only been able to get the information from the Nepean Times, mm-hmm. which went out of existence in 1962. It did indeed. Well, look, Jim, it's um, <laughs> quite incredible that, and, and we need people that, that obviously um, want to preserve history and also want to want to detail that history for, for future generations. So I'm glad that you're doing it. Last question that we always ask, how would you like to be remembered in Penrith? <laughs> Oh, I suppose <laughs> I'd like to be remembered as someone who was interested in their local community and took the trouble to become involved in the local com- community and try and preserve the history of the local community. Mm. That's how I'd like to be remembered. Well, I think you will be because I think you've certainly done that. Jim, uh, thanks very much for, uh, for coming up today and having a chat with us. My pleasure. Thank you. 
And I really hope you enjoyed our chat. On the Record is produced by The Western Weekender. To hear future episodes or past episodes, search Western Weekender wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you hit subscribe. Check out westernweekender.com.au and we will see you next time.